Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas, where you can check out articles on opinion, analysis, and news on the Dallas Cowboys. And as always, remember that primetime is brought to you by our friends over at freemanmazda.net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But before we do any of that, let's talk a little bit about the Cowboys coaching staff. Because for a long time, I think it's been looked at as a disadvantage over other contenders in the conference or around the NFL. And I'm not sure that we should look at them that way anymore. Because I think that Kellen Moore is doing things quite well. We already know about Dan Quinn. We will touch on that, but I don't think that we need to have a debate about how well Dan Quinn has performed since joining the Cowboys because I think that most of us agree that it's been a very great, good job. But Kellen Moore has been more controversial, and so has Mike McCarthy. However, the deeper we get into the regular season, this 2022 the more confident I feel in saying that the Cowboys coaching staff is actually an asset. You know, think about that Jason Garrett era when the Cowboys were about to face a playoff caliber team and that coaching matchup was always brought to the table. Sure, but the Cowboys have Jason Garrett or sure, but this other team has X, Y, or C. I don't think that anymore. I don't think that you can feel that way about Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, and Dan Quinn. And I'm going to tell you something. When the Cowboys were about to play the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, I was a little bit scared of that. I was thinking, well, this is the time. And I wrote an article actually about it for adcsports.com in which I kind of explored that thought of in the Jason Garrett era, this would feel like a very, very clear letdown spot. Heading into Lambeau, you're heading in there with a winning record. The Packers are losing and you managed to lose the game in the hostile environment. And that happened, and it sucked, because I think that going into the game, the hope was, or the expectation was, for Mike McCarthy's team not to fall into that trap. But I think that a Cowboys nation could not have asked for a better, better bounce-back statement from the Cowboys than a 43 win over the Vikings. And it leaves you thinking, well, maybe this coaching staff really is onto something here with the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, with the Jimmys and Joes, and that's the most important part of the Cowboys' success right now, it's always the players in the NFL, or at least in the vast majority of situations. So my question from me to you is, do you view 
the Cowboys coaching staff right now, do you view it as a advantage or do you view the Cowboys coaching staff as a disadvantage? Let me know in the chat. Say the Cowboys are about to play a playoff game on Sunday. Would you look at them as a favorable matchup? Would you point out the coaching staff as a strength of this team and not a weakness? Let me know in the comments. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this question. Daniel Stephens has a take. and I would interpret it as a disadvantage for Daniel Stephens. He says, Dallas had the Green Game game, the Green Bay game. Moore screwed up. You've got to admit, 20-plus passes while up by two scores. The Cowboys were up by 14. They managed to lose that one. And I'm going to agree with Daniel Stephens that that was definitely a mistake from Kellen Moore. But overall, my answer for that question is going to be an advantage because I think that low-key Kellen Moore has been putting together a pretty good season. Perhaps he's best in the NFL as a play caller and as an offensive architect. And I think that we see it on third down situations. Last year, it was more uh, stop routes, conservative approach, even on third down. Now we're seeing more sound concepts, I believe, and a little bit more trust in CD Lamp, in Michael Gallup. Uh, Solomon Cole says that he, uh, I believe it's an advantage. Bruce says, I like McCarthy. McCarthy's aggressive nature over Garrett being timid. Hey, and there have been several spots in which the Cowboys are being aggressive. And I, I will give you an example of what I like about the coaching staff. And even on that game versus the Packers, there, there is a lot to like. I, I wrote an in-depth article about this over at adcsports.com in case you want to check it out. It was after the Packers game. Uh, Edward says the coaching staff is not the problem. So there you go. Here are some of the things that I've liked from Kellen Moore's offense and Mike McCarthy and even Dan Queen. But let's focus on the offense here first. Even in that Packers game, the interceptions came in good play designs. The Cowboys were running a route designed to scheme City Lamp open in the end zone, which is exactly what we were asking for in week one. They ran a middle field route, middle field read route, in which City Lamp and Dak Prescott did not see eye to eye, but the design of the play was pretty sound. Even that controversial third and four sequence in overtime had a reasoning behind it. It didn't pan out the Cowboys' way, but let's not fall in, you know, that trap, that bias trap in which, oh, the play didn't work, then it was a bad design, because that isn't necessarily the case. Third and four, the Cowboys decide to throw the football instead of running it, but at the end of the day, you remember those concerns, those worries, those complaints about the Cowboys being predictable on offense and doing the same in certain down and distance situations. That was a tendency breaker for the Cowboys. Because if you look back at that game in about three separate third and medium situations in which the Cowboys were in the neutral field zone, the Cowboys ran the ball to set up a situation in which they could go for it on fourth and one or maybe four than inches or stuff like that. Uh, in this particular case, Dallas went out there and they decided, you know what, we're going to break that tendency and we're going to throw the football. And there are two things that I think we cannot deny. 
Number one, CeeDee Lamb was open on that play versus the Packers, and Dak Prescott delivered a good ball. But there was a, an uncalled defensive pass interference by Jair Alexander. And this is not an excuse, by the way, because the Cowboys cannot say that they lost because of that particular play because, you know, they lost for many, many other reasons, including letting go of a 14-point advantage. But the play technically worked, even if the execution was not super clean and then the Packers had that little bit of a of an on-called penalty there. But it, it is the way that it is sometimes in the NFL. But I cannot complain really about that play design. I can complain about the fourth and four, though, because I don't know where, where the receivers were going on that one when you just did it four yards. But overall, then you get to the Vikings game and you see more of the same. This is an offense. This is an offense that can do a lot of things from under center, from the shotgun, running the football inside, outside. Dak Prescott control short, intermediate, and deep passes. They're getting open. And, you know, versus the Vikings, we saw a lot of what we should call easy buttons. Because you saw Dak Prescott target CeeDee Lamb right away near the goal line because the cornerback was playing soft coverage. You saw them target Michael Gallup in isolated routes. You saw Tony Pollard get involved. Six targets. Led the team in targets, actually. Tony Pollard did. That's, I think, the new part of this Kellen Moore offense is they're finding ways to make things easier on themselves. Whereas last year, when things got tough, it didn't seem like they had an answer. It, it seemed, seemed like they were always looking for one. But now, in several of these situations, they have an easy button to click and keep the ball moving and keep the chains moving behind it. I think it's been a good year. I was listening to Nate Ties from The Athletic today, uh, from the Sunday night show from that they do over there. And Nate Ties said something along the lines of, the Cowboys are going to be a pain in the ass to game plan against because they lean on something different every single week. And I thought about that 0-3 personnel that they ran versus the Chicago Bears. You know, the Cowboys had... Tony Pollard only. They didn't have they didn't have uh, Ezekiel Elliott available. So to give Ta uh, Tony Pollard some rest, they inserted CeeDee Lamb in the backfield, ran three tight ends out there. The Cowboys have used four tight end sets near the goal line. The Cowboys have done different things. They're running a lot more motion as well to keep things fresh on offense. But somehow it is different than last year when the Cowboys were just running random plays. It is different from that because we're seeing sound concepts on third and long, third and medium. It's definitely something to be excited about, I think. And the fact that the Cowboys are ranked so high on offense in DBOA, in EPA per play, even after weeks of Cooper Rush manning the quarterback situation, I think it's a big positive. There are some concerns, you know, uh, going 5 of 15 on third down versus the Green Bay Packers, for example, is something that you are concerned about. So maybe let's not give Kellen Moore an A-plus yet, but I think it's been a solid season for him, and I think we should see Kellen Moore calling the plays and designing the offense as a big advantage and the coaching staff in general. Shout out to Jared saying, I found you guys. Uh, if you were looking for us on YouTube, man, we will be back on YouTube pretty soon. 
Uh, we're dealing with some technical stuff in there. Uh, we'll keep you updated on whatever we hear or, or do. But in the meantime, we'll be live streaming here on Facebook every single day, as we do, by the way, usually. But for now, uh, live streams are going to be going on, on on Facebook. Thank you for joining us, by the way, and thank you for for finding us. Jimmy Bishop says, young man, what do you know? Not much, Jimmy. Not not, not much, but I'm learning every day. <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy. Uh, thank you for the engagement here. Delia says, something was wrong. Just do your job. Win the game. They had it. Go Cowboys. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, Octavio says, hi, Mal. I think they need to keep the base in the games. Run the ball. It's what they do best, says Octavio. And he adds, Dak needs to run. And I'm going to tell you something. That's another easy button that the Cowboys have found over the last few weeks. They're trusting Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott is trusting his legs. How about that third and six, which was a designed quarterback keeper? I mean, it was a zone read, of course. And he he gets an 11-yard gain on third and six and moves the change with his legs. We're seeing a little bit more of that. We're seeing more designed rollouts, read options, all of that. Uh, I love that. I do think that the Cowboys... Don't uh, they don't have listen? It's different for them to stick to the run and keep finding ways to keep running it because man, they've they've been great at it, and for many different reasons, by the way. Number one, I would say you have a tremendous one-two punch with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Sure, you want to see more Tony Pollard, he should be starting this and that. At the end of the day, having them both in the lineup is pretty, pretty amazing. And it's a kind of a, someone was comparing it to a fastball changeup on Twitter. I cannot remember who, so I apologize if whoever uh, tweeted that out is, is listening right now. Sorry for not crediting, crediting you, but someone said it on Twitter and someone mentioned the defense kind of getting used to the pace of Ezekiel Elliott. And then you get Tony Pollard in there, and the whole thing changes. It can be the same play, but Pollard is going to run it one step faster or two steps faster, and it's going to change how you fit the run. Uh, I think that's a tremendous one-two punch. Number two, you're using more motion. Number three, the Cowboys' offensive line might have some question marks in pass pro, but I think you would be hard-pressed to find a top five offensive line in run blocking that does not include the Dallas Cowboys. It has to include Dallas. Terrence Steele is moving people up front. They're getting duo involved. They're generating double teams in the running game, and they have found some chemistry in there. It's been pretty impressive stuff by the Cowboys offensive line. I did not expect them to be this good in the run game, even though we knew about Tyler Smith's physicality. I didn't expect... Connor McGovern to be a solid in the run game. Tyler Viadish to take that step back, uh, that step up. Uh, so you gotta love that for sure. Oh, so Jared is six to midnight. All right, there you go. I'm getting answers here. Uh, Bruce says, "What's up, six to midnight?" Okay, I, I I'm, I'm finding you. I'm finding you guys as well here. <laughs> Shout out to you and thank you for following us over to Facebook. I appreciate it. Exactly, says Daniel. Uh, now hope that he doesn't go back to 50 pass attempts again. Now, if the game script calls for it, then you got to throw the, the ball, right? If it's a, a shootout in which 
Uh, there is no time to spare or something like that. Uh, sure, throw the football. But I understand not wanting to abandon the run. I think that's something that uh, the Cowboys will not want to do moving forward. However, let's not get it wrong here. The Cowboys shouldn't try to only establish the run, for example. Still rely on play action. Still take those first down play action shots that the Cowboys started taking when Cooper Rush was in at quarterback. Do a little bit of everything and keep the offense balanced. At the end of the day, I think that Mike Leach said it best. You know, the legendary college football coach who said that claiming that a balanced offense is 50% pass, 50% run. He said it once, uh, it's 50% stupid, right? Uh, a true balanced offense is getting everyone involved in different ways. You know, if you're meshing your run game with the passing game, make it look the same as well. Have concepts that tie into each other. And I think that the Cowboys have done a good job in that. It's one of the, when you take a look at any other NFL game, and chances are at least one of those offenses cannot go under center and run plays from the shotgun as interchangeably as the Cowboys do. That's, that's part of what makes Dak Prescott quite a good quarterback, for example. His versatility in that aspect. It may not, it may not look like much, but the fact that he can go under center from the shotgun and run a wide variety of concepts is pretty amazing. One of the things that Nate Ties, by the way, pointed out in that big gain uh, for a touchdown from Tony Pollard in the receiving game was how quickly Dak Prescott goes through his progression. He goes from left to right and then finds Pollard in the span of his three-step drop, which is pretty impressive when you have a chance and you rewatch the highlights or something like that. Make sure to notice that. Terry says Dak is a much better quarterback if he runs. The if he runs, I, I'm guessing that Terry. Uh, do you mean like literally Dak running? Okay, yeah, I agree. Dak Prescott. If they keep okay, yes, this comment. There you go. Terry says if they keep rolling Dak out on run pass options. Damn boys will go good. I agree, Terry. Man, every time they call a read option play for Dak, I jump out of my seat and start jumping around the living room because I get excited when I see that. Dak is one of the best in the league at it. Keep doing it. Keep using him. And when you are near the goal line, do what the Seattle Seahawks did when Russell Wilson was in his prime before you know arriving at Denver. And he was one of the Highest quarters off of read option in NFL history, I think. Rogers says, Killing Moore called a very good game yesterday. He's got to stay consistent in his play calling. And I agree. We've seen good stuff, though. Uh, I was impressed with the game versus the Bears. I was impressed with the game versus the Vikings. And I'm not going to lie. And I have the receipts before the Vikings game, too. I kind of liked the overall game plan versus Green Bay. I think it was going quite well, actually, even though they gave the ball away twice. There was some execution issues here and there. But overall, when you when you take a look at that Packers game with a cooler head, it's hard to be mad about the design of the plays or even most of the play calling. I know they, you know, they gave up that 14-point lead and anything, but 
Not everything was bad in that game. Teresa says, agree. Kellen Moore did call a good game yesterday. He does need to be consistent every week. We have too many assets on the team. I agree with that. Russell, shout out to you. Says, awesome win. Thank you for joining the show. Now, to close the book on this coaching staff conversation, let me pop up the NFC standings right now, especially the top seven teams in the NFL, in the NFC, excuse me, that would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. You would have the Eagles coached by Nick Sirianni, and if I'm not mistaken, still the odds-on favorite to win the coach of the year. Then you have the Minnesota Vikings at 8-2 and two with Kevin O'Connell, also a candidate for coach of the year. Then you've got Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks who still lead their division, even though it might be short-lived if the 49ers keep winning. Pete Carroll, that's been in the NFL for a long time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Todd Bowles as the head coach, Byron Leftwich as offensive coordinator. And then you've got the Cowboys. You know very well who the coaches of the Cowboys are. Then the Giants with Brian Dable and the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan. My question from me to you, as a whole, where would you rank the Cowboys coaching staff among the current playoff teams in the NFC? Say that the playoffs started today. Where would you rank the Cowboys coaching staff among this group of teams? Because I think about it, and, and, and let's let's go team by team here. I would rank Kyle Shanahan probably at the top. Because I do respect Kyle Shanahan a lot. I think that he's one of the best coaches in the NFL right now and one of the brightest offensive minds out there. I like what Brian Dable has done for the Giants. It's too early, though, for me to rank them, you know, above the Cowboys. I respect, though, Six says uh, third behind Shanahan and Dable. Daniel says I'd rank them third or, or second. Peter Rizzo says number two. Shout out to Peter Rizzo. Welcome into the show. Shout out to Tommy. Thank you for joining the show as well, Tommy. Uh, some technical issues going on on YouTube. We will keep you posted. Russell says stop three for the Cowboys coaching staff. Second behind Chenahan says uh, Bruce, maybe. Let's 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 go uh, team by team here really quickly. Brian Dable, uh, I like him. I I'm kind of scared of what he brings to the table for New York in the long run specifically. Uh, but it's too early for me to rank him above or him and his staff above the Cowboys right now. I wouldn't take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers above Dallas. I don't think that it's a coaching staff that, I mean, it's experienced and everything. I don't think that it's a coaching staff that really helps out a lot its team, especially on game days. They have the right culture. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians was in there before. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them above the Cowboys. Probably... Kevin O'Connell would be below the Cowboys for me. Nick Sirianni could get in the conversation. And then Pete Carroll as well, just because of his longtime history of success in the NFL. But to be honest, this year, I would, 
I would rank the Cowboys second. I would rank the Cowboys coaching staff as the second best in the conference behind Cal Shanahan and the 49ers. They've earned that respect that I think San Francisco has, especially, you know, they have that playoff win over the Cowboys. Recently, I mean, you know, uh, relevant to the current staffs. I would take the Cowboys a second. And I'm going to tell you something. When, when the playoffs get here, if the Cowboys are on the road or if they're at home as the winner of the NFC East or a wild card, whatever it is, those coaching staff mismatches might matter a lot in an NFC playoff picture that might be missing a lot of last year's contenders. You know, the Packers might not be in there. The Rams might not be in there. Heck, even the Tampa Bay Bucs are in some sort of danger, even though their uh, things are looking good for them right now and they are improving. We, we still have to find out. Dallas might have that big-time asset in the playoffs, which is what I wanted to talk about on tonight's episode. That's why I've centered on the coaching staff a lot today. Uh, one more thing, though. Dan Queen. We, we didn't talk about Dan Queen because I don't think that we need to have that conversation. We all know, though, that Queen is putting this defense in, in great situations to succeed. And it's sometimes it is big decisions like allowing Trevon Diggs to shadow Justin Jefferson versus the Minnesota Vikings. Sometimes it's simpler stuff like just letting Jaron Kears and Leighton Van Der Esch walk up to the line of scrimmage and then drop back into coverage, simulating the pressure, dropping back into coverage, and that makes Kirk Cousins hold on for the football for one, two extra seconds, and that's how Michael Parsons got the first sack of the game and the strip fumble. And that is so consistent, man. We, we started talking about it after week three, that this could be the most dangerous unit in the NFL, the Cowboys pass rush. And it's a big part thanks to how Dan Quinn puts his pressures together and how he unleashes his guys up front more than anything else. Uh, so that's another piece of this conversation. I think that everyone will agree with that, though. I don't think that we need to have sort of an in-depth discussion as to whether or not Dan Queen does a great job for the Cowboys or not. Teresa says, we need to play like we did with Minnesota against the Giants. Let's use them as our turkeys. There you go. Uh, listen, since 2018, that is the last time the Cowboys won in Thanksgiving. So it's a big year for Dallas as they take on the Giants. They're eight and a half point favorites over New York. So it's one word. It's one word heading into that game, and it has to be consistency. And Mike McCarthy mentioned another one on today's press conference. He said, focus. We need to stay focused. There's a lot going on in Thanksgiving. And McCarthy said, we need to stay focused. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before we get out of here, and listen, I don't know if they're going to televise the halftime concert in Mexico uh, from Mexico City, but if they do, get ready because it's it's cool music i mean it's banda i don't know if anyone if everyone is into that sort of uh regional music uh not even in mexico not 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 even everyone agrees on that but uh, i do like that music a lot so I'm, I'm hoping that they do televise it so we can listen to grupo firme y cantar la n o la o 
it's 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 good music. I, I hope that you guys enjoyed. But before we get out of here, it is time for overreaction Monday, as we do it every single week. We take a look around the NFL. We talk about the Cowboys and some other teams. Let's talk about something relating to the Cowboys, though. You guys know the rules. I give you a statement, and you tell me, is that a fair reaction or an overreaction? The Vikings are fake. Is that an overreaction or is that a fair reaction? Octavio says, I just want to say we go win next Thursday. Really, Mao? You're talking about Grupo Firme. What? Yeah. We, we talk about everything on, on, on this show, man. We, we, need to, we need to talk about that at concerts. I'm excited about it. <laughs> the Vikings are fake. Is that an overreaction or is that a fair reaction? The chat agrees. I think this one will be unanimous. Tommy goes with over. Daniel as well. Russell, Peter Rizzo chimes in. I'm going to go with overreaction as well on this one. You don't get to 8-1 by being fake. But the Vikings are not that consistent. They're not that consistent. And that is dangerous for them. That being said, they still have dudes. They still have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson. And that is a headache. That offensive line, though, it's going to struggle against defensive fronts like the 49ers, the Eagles, the Cowboys. And those are the teams that you're going to face in the playoffs. So... I would be surprised if they put together a deep run in the postseason. But they, they, they're not fake. They're a good team. Wouldn't put them in the top three of the NFC, though. Maybe top four. I included them in my top four a couple of weeks ago. I have not changed my mind in that aspect. Maybe the Buccaneers, though, are creeping up. And, and maybe they do take that number four spot if they continue to show improvement. Octavio also went with the over. Uh, the same for Bruce. After seeing the Philadelphia Eagles struggle versus the Dallas Cowboys, though, versus the Indianapolis Colts, excuse me, the Eagles will lose one more game versus a non-Cowboys rival, essentially opening up the door for the NFC East crown. Is that an overreaction or is that a fair reaction after seeing, seeing the Eagles struggle for two consecutive weeks? What do you guys think about that one? Let me know in the chat. Tommy says, why didn't you go to the game, Mo? Uh, I went in 2019 to the Mexico game. Not this time. Didn't make sense for a lot of reasons, uh, personal and professional. So had to hold on for that one. Hopefully I get to to go when they come back, which might be in a while because some of these stadiums might undergo some reconstruction with the 2026 World Cup heading to Mexico, United States, and Canada. Fair, says Peter. Bruce also with Fair. Russell with Fair. Easy, says Russell. Octavio with Fair. Yeah, I think it's Fair. I think it's a Fair reaction as well. They've got games against the Giants. They've got games against the Bears. They're not playing, you know, they're playing Titans still, I think. Yeah, that's still remaining on their schedule. 
I'm not sure if they will be underdogs in any of these games, but they can definitely drop one of those and, and leave the, the door open for the NFC East crown. And it's a big deal because for the Cowboys and the Eagles, it might mean the difference between the number one seed by week, home field advantage, or literally having to play on the road as a wild card throughout the postseason. It's a big deal. Seems like it is either you're the top team of the conference or you're number five. That's a big difference. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has locked up the MVP. Is that an overreaction or a fair reaction? Last night, 137 on the clock for the comeback. And I think that it isn't that the win was surprising for the Chiefs. To me, what was really surprising is that when they got the ball with 137 on the clock, I think no one doubted even for a second that they were about to drive down the field and get the touchdown. Who thought they were going to be stopped, honestly? We've seen this movie countless times. Not only that, they did it in one minute. They didn't need the 137, too. <laughs> Is that an overreaction or a fair reaction? Everyone goes with fair, apparently. Daniel says, locked up, unless something major happens, it's fair. Bruce goes with fair. Teresa goes with fair. Octavio as well. Tommy, too. Yeah, I got to go with fair reaction. <laughs> It's, it's insane what the Chiefs are able to do every single week. Now, one more, one more for you. One more before we get out of here. The Cowboys. The Cowboys are the NFC favorite. Is that a fair reaction or is that an overreaction? Before I give you my answer, let me talk to you about our friends over at feminazda.net because the right of the week, is the 2023 Mazda CX-50 Preferred Plus All-Wheel Drive. This one starts at $34,360. It's got Apple CarPlay slash Android Auto. It's got all-wheel drive, heated power seats, hands-free liftgate, and a lane departure warning feature with a miles per gallon capacity of 24 when you are in the city. That goes up to 30 when you are in the highway. Make sure that you check out the ride of the week over at FreemanMazda.net, a family-owned business for over 65 years. Remember that when you choose Freeman Mazda, you are choosing a lifelong partnership with your car dealer. Check out the pictures of the Mazda CX-50 Preferred Plus all-wheel drive over at their website, FreemanMazda.net. Is that a fair reaction or an overreaction, ladies and gentlemen? Can you call the Cowboys the favorite Tommy don't 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 do that to me he says Joe Buck just said Grupo Firme and it was funny as hell I need to listen to that clip ASAP as soon as I finish this stream <laughs> people are going with fair in the chat I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised Octavio goes with fair Ines goes with fair Teresa fair Bruce says over for now, and Daniel Stevens says over for now, but they're definitely my favorite. I think, I think that 
if the Cowboys beat the Giants and they do so comfortably, I'm making them my favorite in the NFC. Because right now, the one thing that I want to see is consistency. It's going to be a fun close to the season. November, December, and a little bit of January as well. The Cowboys are close. I I'm going to agree with over, uh, but I cannot hate Anz Rink fair because these Cowboys see him. They're close. They're close. They're knocking on the door. Bob Sturm wrote on The Athletic today, why not them? And honestly, if any national analyst picks the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl right now in any sort of prediction show, they're going to have a, a big point. Like, it is a valid pick. It is no longer a bold prediction kind of take. Tommy says, I still need to see more. But if they play like they did yesterday, nobody's going to beat them. And that is true. And it takes one of these games to really buy into what the Cowboys are, are putting on the field every single week. And it's not like Dallas is super healthy either. They played this game without Anthony Barr. They played the game without Jordan Lewis. And of course, Lewis is not returning anytime soon. By the way, Barr probably not returning on Thursday. Mike McCarthy said that today. He said, yep, Barr would be hard-pressed to come back in time for Thanksgiving. So do not expect him to, to be ready to go. Uh, another game in which Damon Clark will be put in a prime position, maybe with Michael Parsons staying at defense event. OBJ questions before we get out of here. Russell says, we signed OBJ. And Daniel Stephen says, OBJ will make a decision after Thanksgiving. Do you think he's waiting to see who wins the Giants-Cowboys game? Uh, I think it, it, it will play a part in his decision. I think it will be a minor part, though. I think that OBJ's decision will come down to, you know, it's a boring answer, but it will probably come down to money. And the Cowboys are going to have to be in the range, at least, of what the Giants are offering. Because that way, if you're in that range, you can say, hey, man, we've got a quarterback. The Giants, we don't know if they have a quarterback, but we do. And on top of that, we are contenders this season. Like real, real contenders. Because I'm not sure that the Giants are. I'm not sure that they are. Uh, so it, it could play a role in his decision. I don't think that it will be a huge one, though. W would OBJ, though, go to a 7-4 and four team, though? That's a tough ask, I think, for the star wide receiver. Roger says, fair or overreaction, I think they finished second in the division behind the Eagles. Will the coaching staff remain consistent? That is a question, ladies and gentlemen, moving forward. But anyways, that will be it for me tonight. Thank you for joining the show. I really appreciate it. We are live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on ADC Sports Dallas. Do me a favor and hit the thumbs up. That puts the show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. That is the biggest thing that you can do to help out the show. I will see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Nos vemos el día de mañana. Adiós. Feliz lunes. Bye-bye.